Uh, hello and welcome back to Empire of the Cops podcast. It is the Empire of the Cop in- well, Empire of the Cop Insider with Neil Jones every single Monday. Neil, lovely to see you again and uh, quite the game against Aston Villa. I-, I think the most interesting thing I found, you know, after the match was sort of Klopp talking about Liverpool sort of coming close uh, to perfection. So in his words, he said, you know, the mix and possession between control um, and uh, defence was, was was close to perfect. I think, you know, do you, do you share those thoughts? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, listen, that, you can pick holes in, in any performance and you can look and say that they should have scored or they should have scored more or they should have, you know, defended a bit better in certain situations. But I think if you're looking at what Liverpool have done in the first few weeks of the season, we've been calling out for them to, to be more robust. We've been calling out for them to be more solid and to give up fewer chances and to have more control of games and to be more clinical and yeah all of those all of those factors were, were, were in evidence definitely and I think you know the biggest thing I suppose you'd take would be the, the contrast between the way they started the Bournemouth game and the way they started the Villa game you know they were so much more at it from the first whistle against Villa and they were so much more sort of composed uh, kept the ball well defended well pressed the ball won their battles and yeah it was a you know, I think Klopp said, didn't he? He said, you know, the weather, the atmosphere, the sort of the results, the start of the season. If it wasn't for Trent Alexander-Arnold's hamstring injury, there would, would have been a perfect Sunday and I'd go along with that. There's a few um, a few of the men in the red shirt that we really need to sort of talk about. Uh, we will get to Joe Gomez, who I believe you, yourself, you said on um, X yesterday, he had probably his best game for Liverpool in quite a while. Um I'm, I'm going to start off with Darwin Nunez. Uh, purely, I was covering the game for Empire yesterday, and there were just stages throughout the game. I couldn't quite believe my ears at the commentary. Um, there was a lot of inevitable sort of Mickey taking around sort of missed chances, but seemingly little in the way of acknowledgement in terms of how he actually genuinely impacted the game uh, before his substitution. You know, creating chances, setting up Mo's goal, just generally being a nuisance. I think you can argue he was perhaps a little unfortunate. Certainly, that sort of chipped effort at, at, at Martinez. You know, I, I think he could have easily ended the game with potentially two, maybe three goals. Um, I, I don't know. Did, did you feel the same, or, or did you feel the, the criticism was sort of warranted or sort of balanced? No, no, he didn't deserve criticism for his performance yesterday. He, he, he led the line in a, in a team that won three 0 and he had, was involved in all three goals. Um, so. No, I don't see where the criticism comes. Listen, we, we want him to put the chances away, you know, and we that was one of the big things about the Newcastle game, wasn't it? That when the chances came, he, he was clinical. He needed to be in that in that game because Liverpool were, were obviously behind, and it was a really tight game. In this game, yeah, you want you want to see him sort of build on that and, and, and put the ball in the net, but he was he's unlucky. I mean, he had five five shots. I saw that he didn't have one on target, but he definitely did. I mean, one 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 hit Esri Conzer in the square in the face, and I'm pretty sure that was going on target and probably going into the far corner. So he he definitely he definitely influenced the game. And I think if you look at the way Liverpool had success in the game going forward, it was through the wide areas and through you know getting in between. To it. I mean, the system changed for Villa, but it's either the wing back or the full back and the and the centre back. They got a lot of success, particularly down the. The, the Villa left with with Luca Dean and and Paul Torres and you you looked at how how much trouble Nunes and Salah caused in that regard. So look, I mean he'll be disappointed he didn't he didn't put one of the chances away. But I think if you look at you know his first start of the season and what Klopp's been asking him to do, Klopp's been asking him to to, to do all the off the ball work to 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 press from the front to be a nuisance to running behind to to link with teammates. 
he did it pretty well, didn't he? You know, he still got areas to tidy up in terms of his touch. I think he can still be a little bit cleaner with his, his layoffs and his, his his first touch and his link up. But I think really, you know, <laughs> there just seems to be a little bit of a maybe it's the price tag, I suppose. But he's he's held to he's held to a, a lot higher standards, I think, than, than other players. I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, there wouldn't have been the same reaction to Nicholas Jackson, for example. Um, in the in the Chelsea game, and I think you'd have to say Darwin Nunez had a bigger impact on Liverpool's game than, than Jackson did on Chelsea. No, absolutely. I, I think one man I think pretty much everyone is is in an agreement over uh, would be uh, Dominic uh, Soboslai. We have to talk about in a long range goal uh, in the opening three minutes to open the scoring, really set the tone for the rest of the game. Always running about the pitch, making a nuisance of himself. I think Klopp again sort of applauded his tactical understanding after the game and uh, made note of the fact that he's absolutely ready for the dirty part um, of the game. Um, <laughs> there's plenty of good things to say about him. I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, certainly what you made of um, his his performance, his goal scoring performance at Anfield. Yeah, well, I mean. That, that's probably the one thing that's we've known is is to come, isn't it? We you know from from a very encouraging first three games, we've seen all the all the good bits that that you mentioned there in terms of his ability to to do the, the ugly side of the game, his his ability to run and to win battles and to you know to to to, to fight for possession and to to battle for his teammates teammates. Um, and we thought, well. There was a couple of times where he could have pulled the trigger in, in games and you thought, oh, you really wanted to back himself. Well, one drop to him there on his weak foot and it's a really tough, tough one to hit. Um, I, I, I had a similar view to Jürgen, albeit a fair few rows behind. You know, and it was it was in from the moment it left his boot. Brilliant technique. You know, reminded me a little bit of Thiago um, against Porto, was it, a couple of years ago in, in the Champions League. Oh, yes. You know, that, that, kind of, that kind of sort of pure strike. And that's, that's clearly what he's got in his locker, isn't he? You know, he's full of confidence. He's obviously he's obviously really enjoying himself since he's moved. He's playing with with a bit of bit of swagger, isn't he? And you can see that the fans really have responded to him well. And I think that comes as much from you know, listen, we, we all love we all love players who who come and you know show their skills and their tricks and you know their quality. But I think what really gets fans on side is when you see that mix with with the other side of the game. And to be honest, his impact reminds me a little bit. It's different type of player, different obviously era, but his impact reminds me a little bit of sort of Jabby Alonso when he came to Liverpool in 2004 and sort of his first couple of games. It just felt like he he, he took the team up a level with, with everything he'd done. He passed the ball a bit sharp there. He you know he he snapped into tackles a bit strong and he just seemed like you know it didn't take long for people to realise oh god we've got a class player. And I think it's very similar with Sobosla. You can just see that he's really, he's really in tune with with what Liverpool needs, with what Anfield likes, and what Jurgen Klopp wants from him. And you know, keep him fit, keep him firing. There'll be some bumps to come in the road, I'm sure. There'll be some, you know, tough away games and things like that lying ahead. But you look at him at 22, and you look at the sort of money Liverpool have paid for him. I think you have to say they've, they've got a they've got a real good one there. It, it, it does look a snip. Even now, sort of at sixty million pounds, doesn't it? I mean, we, we talked about it being almost sort of a perfect day, lovely weather. I think commented after it, um, but there was obviously one event that you've already touched upon that marred the event perhaps slightly, which is of course Trent's injury. He didn't seem particularly bothered. I think Klopp mentioned afterwards. He said, "Oh, it's hamstring, but it doesn't seem that bad." But obviously, scans are going to take place, which will reveal the sort of exact severity. I, I don't know if there's been any sort of further. Uh, information you've been hearing on your end regarding that in terms of severity, anything that's no. the, the club are feeling in that regard? 
No, what I would say is I wouldn't take any notice of Jürgen saying in a press conference that he doesn't think it's serious. I mean, we've we've, we've learned that from down the, down the years, really, that he says that quite a lot. And then we don't see players for six weeks. You know, I've, I've lost count of the amount of times he said, ah, he's got a slight muscle thing. You know, he might have a chance <laughs> this week. And, you know, yeah, we're waiting and waiting. Um, with Trent, I think the, 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 obviously the, the good news, I suppose, is that there's no game for a couple of weeks for Liverpool. He's obviously got England coming up. Um, I'd be amazed if he if he joins up with England, given given that he's you know limped out of a Premier League game, you know on on the Sunday. So I think they might have to do without their number ten, England. Um, but that gives Liverpool some time, obviously, to to get him ready for Wolves. You know they've they've got what sixteenth of September, isn't it? That, that, that they play Wolves. So I think that will that will play into Liverpool's hands. They don't want to take any risks with them, do they? They don't. They, you know, the last thing they need really is to lose any player, but Trent in particular. You know, they don't have natural right back cover, and even if you do have natural right back cover, you know, you don't have cover for Trent Alexander Arnold. You know, the things that he can do. I thought he was excellent yesterday, actually, as well. I thought he, you know, some of his passing. You see the pass he plays for for the second goal up to Salah. Um, from that sort of quarterback position, but there was a couple that he hit from the, the right back position out to Luis Diaz, which just got Liverpool really sort of up there. And you can see, you can see almost a few few other players. They sort of they look at the the diagonal, they look at that ball out to Salah, and they think, no, there's no point in me hitting it. You know, you saw McAllister do it a couple of times. It's almost no no point in me hitting it. We'll wait and we'll work it and we'll get it to Trent and we'll let him hit it because he he hits it the best and. You know, you can see that importance that he's got in the team, and proud day for him, of course, leading leading his, his boyhood side out at Anfield. You know what a what a moment that was. Um, shame it ended prematurely, but I think he even he, as long as it's not a serious injury, I think even he would be quite pleased to have been able to give another young lad his debut at Anfield. You know, Jarrell Kwanzaa coming on for the last what twenty minutes or so. Um, looks very assured, doesn't he? You know, I think he's 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 had a couple of sub appearances in early days, but. He's not put a foot wrong in, in them and good on him. You know, that's another good sign for the academy. It was a, a pretty good weekend for, for Liverpool's uh, academy at Kirby with two players in the first-team squad with, with Jarrell coming off the bench and with Kate Gordon, of course, making a, a return as well to action. We can talk about that a bit later, but I think it was a good weekend for Kirby despite the, the 21s getting beat. No, absolutely, absolutely. It's only nice to see the young lads get a run out um, as well. You know, I, I think you're spot on there. It was a short performance. Obviously, I think Liverpool don't want to be in a position where we're sort of going again as we did. My concern would be sort of last season, you know, even absolutely adoring Stefan Bacetic's performances. We, we don't want to get to a stage where we're sort of going, young lad, can you do this for yeah. 10, 20 games on the trot? And then no. you're, in, you're injured, your development's hurt and it just... Yeah, I, I think ideally we, we shouldn't be in that position. It takes me really to my next consideration because I suppose there's two problems here for Liverpool. As, you, as you've rightly pointed out, Liverpool really don't have a substitute for that level of creativity um, in terms of Trent's position. Um, but where, how else would we even address um, a vaguely serious injury? I, I suppose the obvious solution would be put Gomez into that right-back position, but then you're saying, well, you probably then do need to bring in Kwanzaa to come in alongside Matip. Um, or alternatively, I, I know Otero Endo has played as a centre-back before. Oh, um, Kanata's yeah. well, back fit for the, for the Wolves game and hopefully and, and, and Van Dijk. We don't know yet what his extra ban is. Obviously, it could just be what, could be one game. could be no games. <laughs> it won't be, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's not. It isn't disastrous, but it's it's obviously what it what it does mean is 
if you get another injury, then it sort of it compounds, doesn't it? And, and you move and Gomez. And the other thing, I suppose, is you move and Gomez at a time when <laughs> Gomez had a good game and has had two good games at centre back, really. So it's it's um yeah, it's not ideal. Hopefully, it's not a long term. And I think one thing that does stand out a little bit from from Liverpool and and, and Trent will be very much in, influenced by James Milner. Um, and Jordan Henderson, you know, down the years. But Jürgen got into a really good rhythm with them where players, they, as soon as they felt the first thing, they didn't take any risk with it. They, they just sit down and sort of say, no, I'm coming, you know, get me off type of thing. I'm not going to let this turn into a grade two or whatever, or, you know, a more serious issue. Hopefully Trent's done that and caught it early. The game was won, remember? So, you know, it, it's a lot easier to, to sort of, to, to walk off, isn't it? Maybe maybe it's Absolutely. less tempted to, to play on. Um and obviously, yeah, you've got that international break. So if it is, if it is just the the, the lowest or the the, the the less least severe muscle injury, then you should be ready for the Wolves game or or at the very least the next the next game after that. So it isn't it isn't the worst um, time to get an injury, but yeah, we don't want too many of them. And like you say, you don't want to be put in a position where you you know you you. you you're skipping through the levels with a young player and asking, you know, Jarrell Corners to, to step up. Some players can do it. You know, Trent was one, wasn't he, who, who was able to do it. Stefan Bajetic, I think, did it last season, but you don't want to be doing it too often because, you know, it's not it's not the sort of the standard the standard way for a young player to come in the first team. No, absolutely. I, I do really also want to touch on uh, sort of the younger lads as well, uh, but I think it's important to sort of, so if we take a moment to reflect as well on the sort of the window that's just uh, gone. I, I think both of our positions on the matter were, were, were pretty much consistent, consistent, much as the rest of sort of the Liverpool fan base, much as the rest of sort of um, fellow Liverpool journalists. Um, Liverpool needed a left-sided centre-back before the window closed. Uh, we hoped we would get one. We didn't. But we did bring in a fourth midfielder in Ryan Gravenberg uh, from uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, with, with that in mind, how, how would you assess Liverpool's window? Yeah. Um, I think it was... Tough, turbulent. You know, a, a lot of the things that happened there, you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have anticipated at the start. You know, we knew we were losing players on on free transfers in 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 James Milner, obviously Roberto Firmino, Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, and I thought there might have been some more departures, but probably the players who did depart, I didn't think it'd be them. I thought it'd be maybe Joel Matip, maybe Thiago, um, and I'm looking and seeing Jordan Henderson and Fabinho leaving and. Obviously, it's a, you know a big, big uh, upheaval. But I think you look at Liverpool now when they've come out of it. I really, I really do think this. I, I don't think that they're far away from having a very, very good squad. I look, you know, obviously it depends on what the players do. You no, know, but in terms of talent and in terms of sort of the, the balance of options, they're probably one. They're probably. <laughs> what? How can I put this? If Endo's brilliant or as as good as people say he is, then they're fine. In the, in the midfield option, they're probably if not, they're probably one sort of Fabinho away, aren't they? You know, and a, a centre back. I would I would suggest in terms of in terms of squad or even just a you know a, a versatile defender away. It's not too far, and they were a lot further away when the window started. You know, they they were looking at the team at the back end of the last season, thinking, Oof, this is this is problems, isn't it? You know, things need addressing. They need X amount of signings. They do this. The fact that they've bought four midfielders tells you just how sort of obvious the problems were at times last season and I think the fact that they've bought in three you know 24 22 and 21 
gives you a lot of hope that they're sort of building something for for the long term. And you know, adding Curtis Jones, adding Harvey Elliott, adding Bajcetic, um to that, you've got, and then look at the forward line, and you've got the the sort of the makings of a really strong sort of squad over the next four or five years, haven't you? And and I think you know if they can get back to that position where it's just tweaks as opposed to a complete overhaul needed in transfer windows, then we've seen that Liverpool are quite good at making those tweaks. They're quite good at sort of, you know, getting the next forward in when, when one's coming to the end of the contract or, or replacing someone who's getting into their 30s and that kind of thing. So it's just it's just getting back and making sure that, that the business that they've done gets them to a certain level and then they continue to do that kind of business. Because I think what they've done in the past potentially is just just looked after one area and not solved, not, not fixed the other. And I think they may be done that a little bit this summer with, with the centre-back situation. But when you watch Joel Matip and Joe Gomez play like that on Sunday, you sort of think, well, maybe we had it wrong. Um, but I still think, yeah, they're probably one defender short and then the bank a lot on Endo being, you know, a, a passable replacement for Fabinho, which he might well be, but I think the Jordan's still out, obviously. No, I'd agree with you on the centre-back situation, and we're going to discuss that, I do promise. Um, I just want to touch quickly on Gravenberg specifically, because there has been... Liverpool have obviously wanted, had in mind initially a specialist um, holding midfielder. They brought in Waturu Endo, who I think some assumed might be playing more of a bit-part role this season. Perhaps looks more the case that he will be playing a fair bit more than many perhaps realised. There's some concern in terms of what Gravenberg offers towards the defensive side of Liverpool's game. We all remember the video with um, Klopp meeting Endo for the first time and sort of saying, you know, to paraphrase, we're very top-heavy, we very much need you <laughs> and what you offer in, the, in this side. Um, and I suppose my concern is because if, if you know, do, does it feel like we do feel very sort of front-heavy at the moment? Or, or, or do you feel that, you know, Gravenberg has been sort of brought in as that long-term option that Klopp can mould into sort of holding midfielder? I, I, I was watching... Um, I think it was an analysing Anfield episode with Josh Williams uh, for the Echo, and he was sort of making the point that if you actually you know look at the stats around the player, if you've watched the player, you know he, he can be played there, but he's not. I, I think he, he was saying that a lot of people get stuck on his frame and think, well, he's got the perfect frame for for a holding midfielder, the perfect height for a holding midfielder, but his attributes aren't specifically suited for that. I, I don't know if you share the same yeah. opinion or if you yeah. if you're a bit more sort of positive about the situation. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely more positive than you. You sound like you're devastated that Liverpool have signed a, a 21-year-old. Oh, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I, mean, I, yeah. he, I think I think we get caught up in the idea of what went before, don't we? So you look and say, well, God, Fabinho's gone, so we need Fabinho to play. You don't. You need someone who's good at football and you can win battles and you can, can control the ball and, and, and keep it. And look at Liverpool's three in midfield yesterday, you know. Listen... It, it didn't work out bad. They had Alexis McAllister, Curtis Jones, and Dominic Sobosla. Now, use the your phrase top heavy. Probably is quite top heavy, isn't it, in terms of what they're all good at? But they were able to work together. They were able to do it um, against a good side as well. And Villa, you know, Villa had two. Villa had two holders in in the side, and and had nowhere near the same level of control or or solidity about them. So it's not a question of. It needs to be someone who flies into tackles or is six foot four and wins headers, like you know, for fun. It's about it's about attributes. And if you look at Gravenberg, what he's got, it's, I agree. I wouldn't I wouldn't have him at the base of a midfield or naturally anyway. I wouldn't. He wouldn't look to me like someone who plays as a you know as a lone 
what's the, what was the phrase that Pep Linders used about Fabinho a lighthouse because he likes to carry with the ball, doesn't he? He likes to he likes players close to him. Really, it looks like he likes to glide past people as opposed to just you know the, those kind of sort of five ten yard passes that that we be associated with Fabinho at his best. But you look at the options that Jurgen's got now. You know you've got they're all they're all good on the ball. They're all young, apart from Endo, who you know <laughs> listen. We talk about Endo as if he's sort of playing veterans football. He's he's, saying, you know, he's not. He's not. He's, quite, he's he's younger than he's younger than two of the people he's he's coming in to replace, isn't he, in the in the squad? Um, and not much older than the other one. So, you know, he's he's definitely still capable of of, of getting about the pitch and, and playing that way. But it's just what it what it gives is just flexibility around around it, isn't it? It means you can play. You know, you might play McAllister as a six, and you might have. Curtis with Gravenberg either side, or you might have Subosli and, and Gravenberg or, or whoever. You might play Curtis as a six. You, you know, we've seen him do that for, for um, England in the, in the Euros. You know, he, he had a game yesterday, I think, when it was a sort of very much a, a back up to speed kind of game. It was very unspectacular, very sort of, you know, neat and tidy and not, not uh, much else. But he's capable of doing that, you know, better things in, in the Premier League, was he shown last season. You've got obviously by Chetty still to come in. You've still got Thiago there, and you know I know we, we, we might be waiting forever for Thiago to get back to fitness. So it feels like we are, but he's still there and he's still capable of playing really well. So I think Liverpool have just got they, they, they probably have to figure out exactly what it looks like. But I think it looks a little bit to me like what it what it did on Sunday. You know, it just looks like three three good players in there. You know, who can who can run, who can cover the ground, and who can all do a little bit of everything. In terms of moving the ball forwards, in 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 terms of controlling the ball, controlling the tempo of the game, and and winning winning duels when they have to, and the the more that they play, and the more that they play these systems, and the more games that they do play, the easier that will become. You know, remember it took a while for Fabinho to become what he was. It became it took a while for Jordan Henderson to find a real sort of settled role in the Liverpool's team. It took a while, you know, for for Genie Wijnaldum. Or it took a while. It took a change for Genie Wijnaldum to sort of become that. He wasn't signed as what he became for Liverpool. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty positive about about it. I think Gravenberg's got a lot to prove on an individual basis. You know, he's he's failed, hasn't he, in, in his first sort of big move away from Ajax, and he won't want to fail again. So, I think using that hunger in a positive way would be good for Liverpool. And I I think just in terms of his raw raw talent and skills and abilities, I think he's a really exciting addition. I really do, and you know. Credit to Liverpool for getting it done because I think it would have been easy, wouldn't it, to sort of look and say we signed three midfielders, we've got these players coming back. Let's not, you know, let's not sort of go too big into it. They've actually gone, no, this is this is a player we like. This is a player that's available now when we didn't think he would be. Let's do it. And I think we've been quite keen to see them do these kind of things, haven't they? You know, sort of double lock the door if if you want to use an old phrase. No, absolutely. absolutely. I think the, the important thing to consider as well is that how Bayern would have liked to have used him, how Liverpool will use him are two very completely different sort of scenarios. You know, with Bayern with the double pivot and Liverpool have three midfielders. It, it's a very, very different situation. And I think, you know, you, 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 I suppose you look at sort of Tuchel thinking, well, the problem with Bayern is it was very much the case of you kind of need to succeed now, isn't it? It's not the case where at Liverpool where you look at, well... We, no problem, we'll give you your time, we'll slowly filter yeah. you in and you can grow at your own pace. Um, I'm So I, I, str- I struggle to see a world in which Gravenberg doesn't succeed in comparison to his time at Bayern because he will be given the time to sort of 
realise yeah. his full potential. I think my, my honest reaction, I think we initially assigned him, was kind of... I don't know, maybe many will disagree, but I'm personally, I'm most, I'm bizarrely most excited by his signing compared to Sabozla, compared to McAllister, compared to, certainly most compared to Endo, even though we've seen, you know, certainly McAllister and Sabozla have, have looked phenomenal uh, so far early in their Liverpool careers, long may that continue. Um, I suppose I'm more convinced by the ceiling on him, sort of <laughs> more than anything yeah. else. I'm putting a lot of stock into the future. But I, I do think if Liverpool can realise that potential, they, they've probably got, you know, not, not to suggest that McAllister or Sobosai don't have that kind of ceiling, but I think he's probably, they could really get a re- really sort of special player out of it. Um, yeah. But that's, that's, I think that's Sobosai, what I'm hoping for. I mean, what we've seen of Sobosai earlier, I think, I think his ceiling looks pretty high, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, I, I think he's, Obviously, you you know what what you're sort of getting a little bit because you watch Leipzig and you watch games and stuff like that. But I do think Sobosli surprised a few people in terms of just how ready for Premier League football he looks, isn't he? And I think maybe you might you might see Gravenberg take a little bit of time. You know, he, he, look, never mind style wise or whatever. But just he hasn't played a lot of football as he for, for for twelve months. You know, he's barely you know getting the rhythm of starting games. You know, we might we might see him eased in in the Europa League, for example. You might see him sort of coming in in those games. And the draw was quite kind in, in that sense, wasn't it, for Liverpool? I think it wasn't. There's no games in there where you sort of look and think, oh, that's a that's a tough away trip or whatever. You, you're sort of looking and thinking, okay, they're quite standard Europa League group games, aren't they? The, you know, Austria, Belgium, France. You know, they're, they're not even, not even a great deal of travel for them. Um, so I think it worse, that, couldn't it? <laughs> and, well, I, I looked. I was when the pots were obviously, um, you know, when they were going through the pots. I was looking, and you always you have that sort of fingers crossed, don't you? And, I mean, you look at Brighton's group. Brighton's group could have been a Champions League group, couldn't they? You know, in terms of what they got. So, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool did okay out of that draw. And I think for, for people like Gravenberg, I think for Endo as, as well, I think it'll be good giving them games. You know, just where they get, they're going to get ninety minutes or they're going to get seventy minutes. It's not going to be sort of quite as. You know, listen. It's it's still they still want to win the games. They still need to win the games, but it's not going to be quite as sort of intense as the Premier League, where you know, listen, doesn't matter if you're seventeenth in the Premier League, second in the Premier League, or whatever. The intensity is always there, isn't it? You saw that even you know, look look at look at um, when Bournemouth came to Anfield. You know, there was still there was still that sort of element of of jeopardy there. You look at Forest going to Chelsea and beating them on the weekend. So, (laughs) excuse me. There's um. That, I think that'll be a crucial month, really. I think September with the, with the Europa League start and getting back after the international break. Obviously, you know, hopefully a good good bit of training for these players, settling into the squad. Then you've got obviously a few others as well. You know, maybe Simakas, uh, Bento. You know, whoever whoever's not playing in the front three. You know, so Gakpo on the bench, Jota has been on the bench. You know, you're able to get rhythm into these players. But I think with Gravenberg, yeah, I think I think it's what he could be. Definitely, that 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 is most exciting about Liverpool than, than maybe what he what he has been. I think it's it's sort of just just look at the sort of the tools that are there ready to be used, and there's there's a lot of them. No, absolutely. I, I think you're right to point out as well the, um, the 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 relative sort of challenge of the Europa League, and certainly I, I think many have sort of pointed out. Oh, after after we come back from the international break and play Wolves, we play like three games in six days. I think it's last uh, West Ham and then Leicester West in the, Ham. In the, in the yeah. And we are lesser in the cup, so. But then, I I do wonder whether, and it seems bizarre to say it because obviously we would all rather Liverpool be in the Champions League, be playing absolute premier European football. But I do wonder, given the unique circumstances we're in, whether almost being in the Europa League is almost better for Liverpool. I I know that sounds ridiculous to say, 
but you look at certainly that fixture list and you think, well, not that it's a throwaway game, this will be, it's still European standard to a certain degree, but you think even if you make a few changes there, you don't look at that and think, oh, well, if, if Liverpool put in Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones and, you know, maybe th- give Ben Doak a start, you don't look at that and think, oh, we, we, this could be a close one. You think well, that's, that's enough quality there to still, you know, to, to, to yeah. hopefully win all three points in the group stage. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know, I, I think when we look back on it, I think we won't necessarily think, oh, you know, being in the Europa League was the worst thing for us. But uh, we'll, we'll no. have to see. Yeah, I think what what also as well is there's a lot of players here, isn't there? I mean, look, listen, there's a lot of players who've achieved a, an awful lot in the in the game with, with Liverpool, most of them. But there are also players who I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have that. Can you qualify for the Champions League or can you win the Europa League sort of carrot there? You know, as opposed to you have to deliver in the Champions League every single week. You know that that that's the next step for, for people like Curtis Jones, for Harvey Elliott, for you know, like you say, for Bendo, probably for people like Ryan Gravenberg, for Sobosly, for you know, to a lesser extent, Canate, you know, young younger players who who, you know, are very, very good players, but probably aren't yet at that level of, you know, McAllister, another one obviously. Um so I don't necessarily think it's if it's only if, if it's only for one year, obviously, and, and and we all hope it's only for one year. I don't necessarily think it's, it's it's a terrible thing to have that sort of character. Listen, go and go and stamp your authority on the Europa League a, bit, a little bit in a different way, but a little bit like the under twenty ones with Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. It's like, well, okay, look, you're you're that you're a really good player, but listen, that that's where you should be shining, and isn't it? You should be going and dominating that tournament. This is it's a bit like that, isn't it? Now with the Europa League, it's like, okay, well, especially in the group stage, can you go and really sort of impress home just how good you are, just how much you deserve this chance and just how hungry you are to, to take Liverpool back to back to the Champions League, back to the big time. Um, and they've got a good, you know, listen, as long as you stay fit, we keep get saying this, don't we? You know, stay fit, stay fit. But they've got a pretty good second string. That, that, that team for Leicester, I think on, you know, in the Carabao wins a couple of weeks' time, three weeks' time probably, that could be a really interesting side to watch. You know, you you look you're looking at Bendo. You could have Darwin potentially. You know, you could could be in that side. You you'll have Gravenberg, Endo, maybe Bobby Clark, people like that. You know, Kay Gordon back back fit playing. You know, there's there's just a lot of exciting sort of players there that you think, come on, let, let's let's sort of I could really get behind them as a as a sort of to watch them and and see if they can develop. There's a lot of potential in the Liverpool side. They've still got to prove it. They really have. But yeah, in terms of you know, in terms of talent, I'd love to watch the training sessions of this Liverpool team because they've got a lot of very technically accomplished footballers now. And I imagine if you're getting in the middle in the rondos, I imagine you're struggling to get that ball out because there's not a lot of hair. There's a lot, a lot of mugs, is there? You can't play one or two sets. I mean, it's good that Liverpool have got some young legs, young legs uh, back in yeah. the field now. So it certainly should help with that. Um, I mean, you've touched on uh, Kylie Gordon's Return. I, I, I want to. I do want to touch on the younger lads, you know, certainly because it does seem that Liverpool's academy is producing some absolute belters um, of late. Um, certainly, young Gerald Quanta made his home debut. Was lovely to see. I, I think, as you mentioned earlier in this talk, you know, he's, he's certainly he's yet to put a foot wrong. And whilst I would temper that in terms of our expectations, in terms of it's very important that he is given these little cameos yeah. here and there, rather than trusted, uh, you know, to having the full weight of the, the back line and that responsibility on his shoulders at such a young age. I, I, it, it is promising to see these performances. It is promising to see these cameos. And what, what, what are your sort of current thoughts on sort of the makeup of the academy and the lads that you are seeing coming through, Kylie Gordon's return? Is it looking sort of very promising? 
I think so. I mean, listen, I'm I'm always glass half half full with with younger players, and you know, I I, I watch a lot of the academy. I, I speak to a lot of people at the academy. I've got good relationships with with, with a lot of the, the players and 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 their, their families and things like that. So I am a little bit biased. You know, I, I'm always I always see the the good side in in in, in younger players, as opposed to sort of you know the, the cynical element where a lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, we'll hear from him in a couple of years' time, that kind of stuff. And I understand that because, let's be fair. The level required to get into Liverpool's team has changed dramatically, hasn't it? You know, I, I was I just think back and think about if Ben Dote was coming through in sort of the maybe even the Benitez era, the, you know, the, the Hodgson era certainly in the dog. But you know, that if he was coming through at this at that stage, you know, he'd probably be he would be starting games in the Premier League. I think Ben Dote okay. by this at that stage. You know, you look at but the, but there are other players there who were very very good players. I think they're going to have Premier League careers, but. They're just—they're obviously—they have to be so good to get in Liverpool's squad at the moment. And you look—you know—Tyler Morton's gone out on loan to, to Hall. I think I think that's a good move for him. Um, I think he needs that. But I think he's—if he's a good player, you know—he might not be at the level Liverpool require. But I think he'll be a Premier League midfielder uh, if he can stay fit and, and get a bit of luck with injuries. You look at. Bobby Clark, I think a lot of people thought he might go on loan. I think he might have wanted to go on loan at one point, but he's. He stayed. I think he's a really good player. 18 years of age. Callum Scanlon, we saw in pre-season, doing really well. Uh, you know, a young left-back with, with bags of energy, talent, um, physicality, class on the ball. You know, I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on for the long term. Now, I say Doke was, was signed in. Scanlon was signed in as well. You've got, obviously, Bicetic, who spent a bit of time in the academy and has, has already stepped up. So, there's, there's lots and lots to sort of be excited about. In, in terms of Kwanzaa, I, I, I fully agree with you on, on yes, one, he hasn't put a foot wrong, but two, obviously, you, you, you don't want to sort of, you don't want to have him running before he can walk. But if I compare him to sort of, I'm not, this this isn't to cast you know, or to, to, to denigrate anyone else, but if I compare him to when Reese Williams came into the first team, Reese Williams was always a good size, but I think Reese Williams, you could see when he came into the first team, he wasn't yet a man in terms of his physicality. He was over promoted. And, you know, he did well. Reese Williams he had some really good games, and he, he really, really gave you know everything he had. But you could see that it was a level that was just a bit high for him in terms of his body. You know, he, he couldn't move his feet maybe as quickly, or he didn't have the balance, or he didn't have the sort of the confidence in his frame at that stage. He was still sort of raw and, and still very young. I think you look at Quanta and you just look like he looks like a man to me. He looks like a you know he's, he's big and he's strong. He looks like he, he he's sort of he's happy to do the battles. You know, he doesn't mind getting up for a header. He's he's obviously got a, he's good on the ball. Every academy player is good on the ball. But I think that obviously the the, the trick to the position a little bit, a little bit like goalkeeping is, is just your decision making, isn't it? And it's sort of those really imperceptible sort of movements of being in the right position to clear a ball at the near post or not letting a centre a centre forward spin you or, or get away from you just in the penalty area. Those things can only come with experience. They can only come with game time, with coaching, and with time. Um, so he's going in the right direction. He's got a lot to work with, but it'll be it'll take a while before Jarrell Kwanzaa is what he what he's going to be, and whether that's a Liverpool centre back, a Premier League centre back, or less or more, we don't know. But he's going in the right direction, and good on him. You know, he's he's taken his chance in pre season, hasn't he? You know, a few players got chances. You know, he got one. Bendo took his chance. I think Bobby Clark took his chance when he played. Callum Scanlon definitely did. James McConnell as well. So there's um, there's been a lot of positivity around the academy, and to, to obviously to to feed into that, obviously seeing Kate Gordon back on 
on Sunday, you know, 19 months out with a pelvis injury, coming back, you know, that must be a long old road for a young lad, you know, especially a young lad who was on such a high when he got the injury, you know, he just played in a Carabao Cup semi-final at the Emirates, he just scored in the FA Cup at Anfield, he was around the first team squad and really going in the right direction, so to, to go from that to being out of the game for, you know, a year and a half more, it's just a, a huge blow, but Credit to him, he's come back. By all accounts, he's been absolutely brilliant in terms of his attitude, his application, his, his work, you know, in the gym and wherever with the fitness coaches. And that on Sunday will have been, I know I know there'll have been a lot of people who'd be very emotional at the academy. And I know I know his family definitely would have been, you know, to see him back on the field and playing. And fingers crossed, you know, we see him now more and more regularly as the weeks go on. It's what we want to see at large, isn't it? I think, listen... We all love to see a transfer. It gets us all excited. But I think you know, the, the messaging from the coaching staff has been pretty consistent. If they can, they would rather use the solutions that are readily available in the squad, in the academy. They would, I'm sure if you ask Klopp, would you rather buy a player or develop one from in the academy? I think he'd probably I'd rather you coach a player, which is you know absolutely fair enough. So it's brilliant to see all these young players sort of coming through, Kylie Gordon coming back from injury. It's just great to see them just developing and, and just thinking of what kind of future they might have at Liverpool. Um, and speaking of the future at Liverpool, there, there is one sort of larger issue I did want to touch on with you, um, which is really the sporting director role. The window's closed. Schmatka's already talked about the future in the sense of he's kind of said, you know, there will be a meeting with the Liverpool hierarchy now that the window's closed to discuss whether it is just a three-month relationship or looking at something more longer term. I mean, for me, it's absolutely critical we kind of come to a decision on this quite soon. I mean, I, I don't want to be the person that's always looking ahead to a window, but I do think, you know, and we've discussed this before, next year, you're looking at Salah's contract, it's going to be a year left yeah. in it. Liverpool are going to have a big decision on this, and perhaps an even bigger decision on whether to sell Mo Salah is who are you going to replace him with? Um, yeah. I, th- I think we have a rough idea <laughs> of the kind of profile we'd look for, left-footed, quick, output merchants. But, you know, saying that and finding that are two very sort of completely different things. I think the important thing, first and foremost, is that we're very much united in the vision that we have sort of moving forward. You know, I think Liverpool certainly functioned well when we had Michael Edwards at the helm and I could rely on that consistency. But, you know, of late, we've had lots of turmoil, lots of change, Edwards yeah. and Ward. Matka. Um, so yeah, I, I, guess, I guess my sort of my question to you is: is, is so what, what have, we, have you heard anything happening on that front, and when we can expect this meeting to occur? And you know, do you get the impression from inside the club whether they feel that he is Smatka is a long-term reliable solution? No, I don't get that. I don't get that impression. Otherwise, I think he'd have been on a four-year contract with me or three-year contract. So obviously, there was a, there was an element that I don't think it was necessarily. Or Liverpool, I think there was an element of doubt on Schmadka's part as well. Yeah, don't forget, he had retired, retired from football. You know, in what was it, February? So he was, he was clearly planning for you know life after football, and then this has come up. So I think there was a degree of sort of you know, a marriage of convenience about about the arrangement. I think I think the quotes that again thrown around from an old interview. I think that was sort of the start of August as opposed to more recently. So I don't think it was a case of Schmeichel saying, listen, Saturday we're having a sit down. You know, I think it was a bit more kind of looking ahead and clearly there needs to be some sort of of arrangement or some sort of agreement made in terms of what what it looks like. I mean, Liverpool were... I, I think you would have expected Liverpool to appoint someone more high profile or sort of more, you know, more... 
longer term in 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 that role once Julian Ward made it clear and get and let's be fair he gave he gave Liverpool plenty of notice that he was leaving and they had plenty of time to sort of line someone up. The fact that they they ended up with Schmanker suggests either they didn't they weren't able to get the person that they want or that they they didn't sort of they didn't like the um the sort of the candidates or the, the you know the people who were out there at that time. Whether that changes whether it was someone who was in a job and maybe needed to you know work some notice period and some garden leave and that kind of thing, possibly. But yeah, you're right. By by the time you get around to January, you're already you're already looking on you that fingers crossed, you know, things have gone well on the pitch and there's no great injury crisis and things like that. But you're looking at Liverpool, okay, can you start to sort of do that tweaking that I was talking about earlier? Can you start to look at okay, can you can you start to get the next the next left back in, you know, for the future? Is it is it someone from the Academy? Is it, you know, are you, are you going to try and get that left-sided centre-back that we we think Liverpool needs? You know, are you going to start lining up Salah replacements? You know, are you going to are you going to open negotiations with Salah over the contract? I mean, I, I wouldn't advise it at the moment in terms of the numbers that are getting thrown around by Saudi Arabia. I think that would be a I think that would be a difficult conversation. But there's a lot of things that need need doing. You've you've, you've obviously got some more more big players out of contract coming up. You've got Trent. You know, two two years left or less than two years left now, so that's going to need doing. So there's a lot of bit, lot of stuff that needs needs sorting. Um, and yeah, it would be helpful to have someone there who's going to be there for the long term and someone who's sort of, you know, able to provide a little bit of stability. I don't, I don't necessarily see Schmeichel as that guy in terms of you know the next two or three years. I see him far more as a sort of a you know, I would say an emergency plan, but a a short term plan. And and you know. Time will tell, won't it? But he hasn't. I don't think you say he'd have the worst window. He, he might have had the most turbulence and the most difficult, but I don't think he's had the worst if, if you know, they get to the the end of the Saudi window and Salah's still a Liverpool player, which I think he will be. No, absolutely. Time will most certainly tell, and I think you know. In in the meantime, I don't think it's. Uh... I don't think the klaxons and sirens will be going off just yet. I think, you know, 10, 10 points, is it, from 12? We're yeah. at now, which is a pretty... I think if you'd offered that to me at the start of the season, I'd have absolutely bit your hand off. Uh, given, given the yeah, Given the, the quality of the opposition, I think especially, you know, I, I think facing Aston Villa, I was expecting a sort of much tighter game than that. But, it, you know, the control we showed... Absolutely remarkable, uh, to be honest. I think Liverpool will take that going into the international break, and sort of hopefully that will re- reinvigorate us and uh, well, for the for the rest of the season, really, won't it? Yeah, well, look at the you know look at the sort of people who finished above Liverpool last season. Look at Manchester United yesterday. Look at Newcastle on Saturday. You know, both Newcastle lost three in a row. Uh, Manchester United have already you know struggled this season, so you know. Last season, Liverpool suffered because they couldn't get any momentum going early in the season. They, they, they were they were behind the eight ball as I wrote this morning, and you know they never ever got really out of that. I don't think they were ever in the top four. You know, I might be wrong at any point last season. Um, this season's different. They've got some momentum. They've got something to build on. They've got a platform. It's only four games. They've got some work to do. They've got some tough ones. The next two away games, I think, are Tottenham and Brighton in the Premier League. So they're going to be they're going to be tough ones, and they they might be actually the two the two sides that. Almost take over from Manchester United, Newcastle as as being the big challenges for the top four. You know, given, given what we've seen so far, so the big test to come. But you know, all you can do is is sort of is get the results, isn't it, and start to ease yourself in. And we've seen with this Liverpool side, or, or with with previous Liverpool sides, and with this this manager, that if you do get a platform and you do get on a roll, Liverpool are pretty good at making sure that it's you know it's not a false dawn. It's sort of 
it, it, it turns into something pretty tangible as the season goes on. So, fingers crossed, eh? Absolutely, absolutely. One game at a time and one podcast absolutely. at a time every <laughs> single week on a Monday. Neil, you've been an absolute pleasure to have on as always. Um, if you've been watching this, I'm sure you already know by now where you can catch all of Neil's stuff on his Substack with Covering Liverpool at neilj.substack.com. And of course, you are on X or Twitter, as we all fondly remember, at Neil Jones Goal. Uh, if you've been watching this from Empire's perspective, of course, you can catch this on the YouTube. Give us a comment, like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. And you can also find this in audio form and in written form on our Substack at empireofthecop.substack.com. Dot com. Thanks again for watching. This has been Empire of the Cop Insider with Neil Jones. I've been your host, Farrell Keeling. Take care. <laughs>